brothers and sisters, there are a number of scriptures that tells us what event will signal the beginning of the last hours just prior to the return of Jesus Christ. We are told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down to heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Matthew chapter 24 and Revelation chapters 7 through 9 speak of the sun and the moon being darkened. Brothers and sisters, we are told by the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, as well as in Revelation chapter 6 and in the book of Ezekiel chapter 38 of the devastating earthquake that is going to come upon this world. Brothers and sisters, this, this earthquake is going to be so bad that the Bible says that there has never been an earthquake as bad, nor will there ever be one as bad again. Naturally, brothers and sisters, we can expect devastating tsunamis to follow these massive earthquakes. These tsunamis will be like things that we have never seen before. All the coastal cities that are along the coastlines in our nations where this earthquake occurred will be completely flooded, totally destroyed, as you can see in this video clip. This video clip gives you an idea of the massive destruction that is going to come on our world because of this earthquake that is soon to happen. Brothers and sisters, if the things that have already happened are not bad enough, we're told by the Lord Jesus in chapter 24 of additional destruction that is going to come upon the earth. We're going to have stars, as we call the meteorites, fall from heaven. The word says that the sun and the moon will be darkened. This will result because of the massive amount of particles and dust and debris that will be thrown into the sky, blotting out the sun and the moon. We're told that the heavens will be shaken. Additionally, massive tsunamis will occur as these meteorites strike into the mass into the oceans and the seas of the world causing massive destruction. We're also told of this brothers and sisters over in Revelation chapter 6, 7, 8, 9 mentions this massive, massive number of asteroids and meters called stars in the scripture that will fall upon our world. Brothers and sisters, it is going to be a terrible, terrible time for all of the inhabitants of the We're also told in Revelation, brother, of this huge great mountain that will be burned with fire that will be hurled into the sea. Brothers and sisters, this is what we call destruction. As you can see in these video clips, once these massive asteroids strike the earth, sea and land, it is going to be a terrible time for all of Earth inhabitants. Brothers and sisters, are you ready? Are you prepared for what is to come upon our world? I pray for you.
Bible prophecy. You may ask, why is this important to me? Well, that is a very good question. Have you ever thought of where will you spend eternity? If not, you should. You see, like it or not, we are all betting the Bible is either true or it's not true. A smart and wise person will consider all of the available evidence so that he or she can make the right or best bet. The Bible and the scriptures it contains regarding prophecy gives us all the information we need to make a wise, soul-saving bet. You see, brothers and sisters, the very testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Well, hello, brothers and sisters. I am Daniel Morgan of Go Ye Harvest Outreach Ministry. Let me just say, first of all, that I thank you for taking time to watch this recording of Explore Bible Basics. Prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, for those that do not know me, I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, the name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. As always, brothers and sisters, we say at Go Ye Harvest Outreach Ministry, today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, brothers and sisters, we have so much to be thankful for. And we rejoice because we know that all things work for the good of those in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we also rejoice because we know that our God reigns. We know, brothers and sisters, that the battles of life are not ours. They are the Lord's as long as we turn them over to him, trust in him, and allow, and allow him to fight our battles. So let me open with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercies. Thank you for all of your wonderful benefits. Father God, we thank you that we have this opportunity to come together to study your word, to see what it is that you have to say about things that were, about things that are, and about things that are to come. We pray that you will open our minds so that we may understand what it is you have to say. Open our eyes and our ears, for it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen to the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, I want to do a short introduction of myself for those that do not know me. I am, of course, as I said, Dan Morgan, and I believe that I too, like many others, have been called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that I have been called so that I can strengthen the brothers and the sisters who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, as well as call those who are unsaved, those who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, call them unto repentance so that they too may have fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ and our God. You know, brothers and sisters, I am firmly convinced that we are truly living in the last days. You have heard it said for many, many years, for decades, even centuries, the last days are here, we're in the last days. But brothers and sisters, I want you to know that we are truly down to the very last hour of the prophetic clock, when those things that were prophesied for the end of days, the last days, are beginning to happen. You know, brothers and sisters, while we are living in this perilous time, this perilous time will pass. I believe that God is using this time to waken up his people, to awaken the church, to call those who may be lukewarm and sitting on the fence, to get off the fence, to stop being lukewarm like I was, because I was lukewarm for many, many years, for several decades. I was a good Christian. I believed in God. I went to church. 
I took my family to church. I paid the time. And, but I was still lukewarm. But a little while back, God got a hold of me and let me know that he had called me to do a work for him. And I am thankful that now I am in the purpose that God has called me for in this life. You know, brothers and sisters, I just want to say that God began to let me know a long while ago that this perilous time that we are in was coming, brothers and sisters. So it is not new to God uh, that we were going to be faced with. And so, brothers and sisters, I also want to say that I believe that uh, here in the near future, we will begin to see those things that are prophesied in Scripture beginning to happen. We will see, brothers and sisters, the tribulation. The tribulation will be followed by the day of the Lord and his return, brothers and sisters. And we want to be sure that we are ready. For those of you that may be old enough to remember, back in the year of 2020, we had the, the U.S. presidential election. And I was in Saudi Arabia and I was seeking God. And the Lord told me while I was in Saudi Arabia, the Lord told me that Al Gore and Joe Lieberman were going to win the presidential election. As you may recall, they indeed did win the popular vote, but they were not installed as the president or vice president of the United States because the electoral college gave the majority of the votes to President George Bush. And because of that, the Supreme Court ruled that George Bush was the president. I say that to say that God lets his people know. There are those people that God speaks to to let them know what is to come. And God told me, and I was bold enough to send an email from Saudi Arabia to almost 100 friends of mine saying that they were going to win the election. And then, brothers and sisters, again, in the year of 2016, as I was on the road driving uh, to an event that my sister and her husband, they are pastor and co-pastor of a church here in Georgia, I was on my way to an event they were having for their church. And as I was driving down the interstate, the Lord showed me at an open day vision that President Trump wins the U.S. elections. And brothers and sisters, I'm not here to argue whether or not President Trump should have won the election. I'm simply saying that God showed it to me. And to prove to myself that I thought that this was from God, I wrote what I had seen in an envelope. President, I mean, uh, Donald Trump wins the U.S. election. I put that on a three by five card. I put it in an envelope. I sealed the envelope and put it in the glove compartment of my car. On the evening of the election, like so many Americans, we all went to bed believing that Hillary, Hillary Clinton had won the U.S. president elections. We got up the next morning and was surprised to find that Donald Trump had been declared the winner because, again, he had won the electoral college votes. And because of that, he was declared president of the United States. I was surprised. I got on the phone and I called my wife who was in Georgia. I was working and living in DC and back and forth from DC to my home here in Georgia. And I called my wife and I said, Joyce, will you go outside to the car? She did. When she got into the car, I said, will you open the glove compartment? And she did. I said, will you take out the envelope that is in the glove compartment and read to me what it says? My wife, Joyce, did that and she read, President Trump wins the presidential elections. So brothers and sisters, why do I say that? I say that because beginning in 2018, God began to tell me that a perilous times, the perilous times were coming, perilous times were coming. And I began to write this in my 
prayer journal and to share it with other people. And sure enough, brothers, what are we in now? We're in a, in a pandemic that has been called perilous times. But brothers and sisters, let's look at what the word of God says about perilous times. It says, brothers and sisters, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but know this, that in the last days, perilous time will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, ungodly, unforgiving, unloving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haunting, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Isn't that exactly where we are now, brothers and sisters? We, we are having and seeing that though we profess God, oftentimes it seems like we do not believe in the power of God and all the things that he has said that he is able to do in our lives. Do we really believe that when he says he can heal, that he heals? And all the other things he says regarding what he would do for those who love him. And brothers and sisters, I said that to say that I believe with all of my heart, God has told me that a great calamity is coming. Just as the Lord Jesus told me in the year 20, uh, 2000, that Al Gore and Joe Lieberman were going to win the president election, the presidential election, the popular vote. Just as the Lord uh, told me that President Trump was going to win, and just as, uh, and just as uh, the Lord told me about this perilous times, I believe that the Lord has told me that a great calamity is coming. And brothers and sisters, this is going to be a devastating calamity, and it is going to devastate our world. You know, brothers and sisters, while many may believe that it would be difficult for the Antichrist to rise, uh, that is not so. Simply look at what happened uh, in early March of this year. On March the 26th, Gordon Brown, the former prime minister of Great Britain, came before the body of the major nations and recommended that they install or implement an executive body that had the powers to do whatever it took to deal with this situation, this COVID-19, this coronavirus. And brothers and sisters, just as this coronavirus, COVID-19 right now has the world uh, in, in, in an uproar, just, just has destroyed so many lives and caused so many changes in the way we do things, brothers and sisters, imagine a greater calamity that comes that is destructive and devastates our country and parts of the rest of the world. Think about how easily a calamity, like, a calamity like that will cause for the implementation of a world government that has extreme power far beyond what the United Nations currently have. But brothers and sisters, just as we are told by the Apostle Paul over in Thessalonians chapter 4, the Lord Jesus will return for the rapture of the believers. The word of God tells us Brothers, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who are without hope. But since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we also believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. 
By the word of the Lord, we declare to you that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord Jesus in the air. And so we will be with the Lord. So brothers and sisters, this is not to be confused with what we're told over in Revelation chapter 16, verse 1. These scriptures says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. The trumpets of revelations are blown by the seven angels, brothers and sisters. And this is not to be confused. You see, Jesus himself blows a trumpet and it's the, and it's the person who will cause the rapture to come about. It is the angels of God that blows the trumpets over in Revelations. And then remember also, brothers and sisters, we're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, but God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, you may be saying to yourself, well, what is the rapture? Well, I'm glad that you asked, brothers and sisters. Well, brothers and sisters, you may be saying, well, what is the rapture? I'm glad that you asked. You see, although the word rapture is not found in scripture, the word rapture is taken from the Latin word rapio, or R-A-P-I-O, rapio, or rapio, which means to be caught up. The Greek word for rapio, or rapio, is Haparzo, which means to be snatched away. Brothers and sisters, we will be snatched away. We'll be caught up as the word of God says. And we use rapture because that is the English translation of these words. We'll be caught up. So brothers and sisters, after the Lord raptures the believers and the rise of the Antichrist, you will see the other events that are spoken of regarding the last days, the day of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I do not know when we will see the unfolding of these events, but the Lord has said soon, and I believe it. Brothers and sisters, I confess that I do not know what soon means on the prophetic clock of God's timeline, but he said soon, and I believe that he is coming soon. People of God, this pestilence, this coronavirus called COVID-19, it's just a wake-up call, as I said earlier. It's a wake-up call to the people of God to stop being lukewarm, as I said before, and become serious about God. You see, for too long we've had, as I said earlier, this form of godliness, but we have denied the power of God. Brothers and sisters, for those of you that know God, I want to encourage you to fast and to pray, to keep on seeking God, to ask God to show you what is to come. I want to encourage you to share the word of God, share the word of the Lord Jesus Christ in his gospel, the things that Jesus said and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share this with your loved ones, with unsaved friends and family members and co-workers and others that you know or may believe simply have not accepted the Lord Jesus as their savior.
If you're not yet a believer and you're watching this video recording, I want to encourage you to become a believer. Put your faith, your hope, your trust in Jesus Christ. You see, I believe the books of scripture that God gave us all point toward God and they point toward his son, Jesus. And it's nothing, it is not difficult. It is very simple. If you don't know the Lord Jesus and you're not familiar with the scriptures, I want to encourage you to begin with the book of John. John is the fourth of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you get done with the book of John, I want you to go on over to the next book. That is the book of Acts. The book of John tells all about who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit and God the Father, and, and much about Jesus' ministry, about Jesus' life, about his crucifixion, about his death, his resurrection. And brothers and sisters, you go over to the book of Acts. The book of Acts talks about how the Holy Spirit came in the early church and what God through the Holy Spirit did through the apostles and the, and the disciples and many others to, to include the apostle Paul. And then brothers and sisters, when you get done with the book of uh, Acts, I want you to look at Romans because Paul, the apostle Paul lays out a very good case for this gospel and how we're to live our lives, brothers and sisters. It is interesting, brothers and sisters, that more than 2 billion people supposedly profess Christ or say that they are Christian, but it is surprisingly that so many people really pray to God and too honestly that so few people really understand the gospel, brothers and sisters. And so I want you to find a good Bible-believing church. If you're not in one, whether you're saved or unsaved, get into a good Bible-believing church. Why, brothers and sisters? Why do I want you to, to get into a good Bible-believing church? Well, I want you to do so because we're told in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Brothers and sisters, for those that are believers, I want you to care. Brothers and sisters, for those who are believers, I want to encourage you to keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on fasting. Draw closer to God. Draw closer to him than you have ever been to him in your life. Okay, brothers and sisters? So brothers and sisters, I want to just say that if you are again new to this ministry, the start point for this message and this ministry is that God is, that God created everything that is, brothers and sisters. God created all that is. Number three, as you see there on the slide, the Bible is the inerrant word of God. That is, the Bible is true from chapter 1 of Genesis all the way through chapter 22 of the book of Revelation. And you know, brothers and sisters, prophecy reveals and shows man that God is and that his word is true by foretelling of things that are not as though they are before they come to pass. Look, brothers and sisters, at what the word of God says over in 2 Peter. Over in 2 Peter, the Apostle Paul tells us in chapter 1, verse 20 through 21, first of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. 
because no prophecy ever came by the impulse of man. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Additionally, the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and prophets. That is, it is useful for teaching, correcting, admonishing, and training in righteousness. Brothers and sisters, the word of God tells us so much about prophecy. Of the 66 books in our Bible, 39 of these are found in the Old Testament and 27 of them are in the New Testament. Brothers and sisters, there's 100, brothers and sisters, there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible composed of 31,000 verses. And what is interesting, brothers and sisters, is that God had a lot to tell us about prophecy. That is, 25% of the Bible is about God foretelling of things to come before they happen. You would think that if God provided so much about the future before it happened, that it would behoove us to believe it, to understand it, to trust in it, and to walk in it, brothers and sisters. So, brothers and sisters, this teaching on Bible prophecy will probably be six, maybe seven sessions because I don't want to rush, rush through this. I want us to get a true, good, clear grasp about Bible prophecy. You see, we're going to build a house. We're going to lay the foundation by talking about things that God said would happen. We're going to then build the framework by demonstrating that God did indeed do those things that happened already. And then we're going to go into the house and see what the word of God has to tell us in many books of the Bible in the Old Testament, beginning with Genesis and Joel and Zechariah and Isaiah and Ezekiel, and even Christ himself in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 24, as well over in Mark and Luke. God foretold so much about that is to happen. So we're going to lay the foundation, and then we're going to do the framework, and then we're going to go into the house. So I'll be teaching on how do we know that God's word is, and his word and his prophecy given to men are true. Number two, prophecy that have already come to pass. And then the three, we'll be teaching on prophetic scripture that speak to the things that are, that are to come, including the rapture of God's people, the tribulation, the rise of the Antichrist, the rule of the Antichrist, the great uh, tribulation, and the terrible day of the Lord, brothers and sisters. Also, brothers and sisters, as you can see on this chart here, there are many scriptures that speaks to Bible prophecy. You can see, as I have listed there, chapter 24 in the book of Matthew, as well as chapter 13 in the gospel of Mark, and chapter 21 in the gospel of Luke that reinforces what Matthew had to say in the gospel of Matthew. Brothers and sisters, you can also see there the scriptures from the New Testament that speaks to prophecy regarding what is to come, as well as many Old Testament scripture about what is to come. Okay, brothers and sisters, many scriptures we're going to be taking a look at, and I want to just ensure that we have a good, solid foundation. All right, brothers and sisters? All right then, brothers and sisters, what I'd like to do now is just simply show you a chart that I put together that shows that God and his divine plan provided a way so that his word 
his creative works, beginning at the very beginning with Adam and all the way through those men of old and through the Old Testament was handed down to us accurately, brothers and sisters. So brothers and sisters, as you look at this chart, you can see that because of the longevity of man's life before the flood, God ensured that there was an accurate carrying on of the story of creation from generation to generation. Notice that Adam lived to be 930 years of age. Notice that Methuselah, who lived to be the oldest living person, was 969 years old. And then Noah lived for 950 years of age. And his son Shem lived to be 600 years old. Notice the overlap of lives. The story of creation was told by Adam to Methuselah, his great-grandson to the eighth degree. That's the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. But you see, Adam had 243 years with Methuselah. And I'm certain that in those 243 years, he can tell all of his great-grandsons all the way down to Methuselah of the creation of God. And all that happened during the Garden of Eve and thereafter until his death. And then look at Methuselah. Methuselah lived to see his grandson Shem. He had several years, almost a hundred years, with his grandson Shem. And then we look at the life of Shem. Shem's life overlapped all the way down to Abraham. Shem had 148 years with Abraham. So you see, brothers and people, you, you see, brothers and sisters. From the time of Adam down to Abraham, there are four men who could have told this story one for the other. One from the other. Although we go through ten generations, the lies overlap such that there's no doubt that the story of creation could be given and given accurately. Okay, brothers and sisters? And then notice that Noah was born 126 years after Adam died. Methuselah had 187 years with Adam. Methuselah had 600 years with Noah, and as I said, 100 years with Adam's sons. I'm sorry, he had 100 years with Noah's son. And then Noah had 500 years with his son, and his son Shem had 148 years with Now notice this, brothers and sisters. Noah was born only 126 years after Adam dies. Methuselah had 187 years with Adam. Methuselah had 600 years with Noah and, a, and 100 years with Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah had 500 years with his three sons, and his sons, brothers and sisters, had 148 years with Abraham. So brothers and sisters, you can clearly see that God, by ensuring the longevity of men before the great flood, and those three sons of Noah as well as Noah had longevity, so they lived years after the flood and was able to tell what they had been told by their grandfather or great-grandfather or their father directly to Abraham. And brothers and sisters, it is interesting that when Shem died, that is the son of Noah, at the age of 600 years old, Esau and Jacob were 50 years old, Isaac was 100 years old, and Ebner was 435 years old. 
Shem lived 35 years longer than Abraham did, yet he was born 447 years before Abraham. Don't tell me that the word of God is not true and accurate regarding the creation and how it all came about to the glory of God. So what I'd like to do now, brothers and sisters, is to change our focus and look at a timeline of Bible prophecy. I put this chart together after looking at a number of commentaries, a number of historical documents on the timelines of the Bible. And when you go out there to look at different timelines, you can find some differences. But generally, most of the timelines agree on 2166 being about the time that Abraham was born. As you look at this chart, you see eternity past to the left, and we have creation going on there, and to the far right, you have eternity future, where we will go into the ring of God with man after the judgment. So brothers and sisters, we have the time from Adam to Abraham, whatever amount of time that was, and we talked about that just previously, but it is generally agreed and believed that the pyramids of Egypt were built around 2,500 and in the year 2166, we have Abraham being born. And after Abraham was born, uh, as you may recall, the story of his sons and grandsons down all the way to Jacob. They go down into Egypt. And after a while, the Egyptian decides that they're going to put the Israelite into slavery. And they keep them in slavery for about 400 to 430 years down in Egypt. But God had told uh, Abraham that he was going to send his descendants into slavery, but after a while, he was going to bring them out of that nation, and they would see the promised land that God had shown Abraham. Abraham was able to walk through all of the land that God had promised him. And then in the year about 1526 BC, we have Moses born, and after Moses being born, of course, he came back to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. They wandered around in the desert for about 40 years, and after that, the Israelites were able to come out of the desert, then go and conquest the land of Canaan that God had promised them. All of this occurred approximately between 1526 and 1300 B.C. And then we have the time where Joshua uh, goes from about 1300 to 1400. Joshua leading the Israelites crosses the, the Jordan River. They take Jericho. They take down the southern kingdoms. They take down the northern kingdoms of the different people that were living in the land. The Amorites, the Hittites, the Petites, the Canaanites, and others. And then after a while, uh, God gave them rest because Joshua died and things kind of settled down for a while. And then the judges, the judges ruled the Israelites under God as their king from about 1400 to 10, 1050 BC. And you know who some of these judges are. You've heard of them. These judges being people like uh, Gideon and people and, and women like Deborah. These were the uh, people that were judges over God's people. But you know, the people decided that they wanted to be like the other kingdoms and the other people around them. They wanted a king. And so they came to Samuel and told the prophet Samuel that they would like to have a king to rule over them. And Samuel was very perplexed and he didn't want to do this. So he appealed to God and God said, give them a king. But the day is going to come when they're going to hate that they had a king because they rejected me. God told Samuel, they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting me. So under 
the prophet Samuel, the kingdom was established. And for you Bible students, you know that Samuel anointed Saul to be the first king of Israel. But because of Saul's disobedience, God took the kingdom away from Saul and gave it to David. And so in about 1050 B.C. to 900 B.C., you have the United Kingdom. And under the United Kingdom, both David and his son Solomon ruled. But because of the iniquity and the sin of Solomon's son, Jeroboam, the kingdom was divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. In the north, you had the kingdom of Israel with ten of the tribes. And in the south, you had the southern kingdom, which was the kingdom of Judah, that consisted of Judah and the small tribe of Benjamin. And as you can see there, that happened around 900 BC. We had the divided kingdom. And then because of their disobedience, as God had promised and, and uh, foretold and prophesied through the prophets, going all the way back to Abraham and through uh, Moses, because of their disobedience, God allowed them to be taken into exile. The northern kingdom fell first. The northern kingdom was taken over by the Babylonians. I stand corrected. The northern kingdom being taken over by the Assyrians and then partly the Babylonians. Eventually, the southern kingdom also failed. It failed to the Babylonians. And you can see there where you had the prophets Joah, Isaiah, and Jeremiah all coming on the scene. And brothers and sisters, you can see that I have an error going from the prophet Joah who prophesied and lived during 900 uh, B.C. before Christ. You see the error going over there to the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. Joel, 900 B.C., prophesied that God was going to send the Holy Spirit. He was going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And that prophecy is fulfilled in the book of Acts when Peter stands up and tells the people that the prophecy given by the prophet Joel is being fulfilled. And then you see the other prophets, the major prophets there, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, and Zechariah. You see the large arrow, the large blue arrow that is going over to the right toward the last days. Each and every one of those prophets there, from Joah down to Zechariah, all prophesied about the last days. And we're going to be talking about that, brothers and sisters. I do want to point out there, you see the prophet Daniel who lived 605 to 530 B.C. And the prophecy that he gave, you may remember Daniel, he was thrown into the lion's den, but he testified to the king that God had shut the mouths of the, of the lions and saved him from his enemies. But Daniel prophesied that Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, would be succeeded by Darius, the king of the Merdes Persians, and that's current day Iran. And then uh, the Persian kingdom will be overthrown by Alexander the Great. And then Alexander the Great's, uh, the Greek kingdom will be overthrown by Julius Caesar the Romans. This prophecy was so accurate that people could not believe that it was actually the prophet Daniel who gave this prophecy. But we know from studying old texts that this prophecy was given during the time of 600 to 530 B.C. by the prophet Daniel. It just shows how God is faithful to his word. His words are true. His prophecies are true, brothers and sisters. And then let's come across to the right side of the chart there where you see the last days. Brothers and sisters, we are in the, we are well beyond the beginning and in the, the last days because the last days were begun back when Peter stood up 
and said that what the prophet Joel had said was being fulfilled. And what did Joel say? Joel said that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit, says the Lord. Upon your sons and daughters, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. That came true, brothers and sisters, almost 2,000 years ago in the very first century after Jesus ascended back up into heaven. And then, brothers and sisters, you see we have the life, the birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see well where in 70 AD, just as Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, and then over there, Mark and Luke, the temple was destroyed, as Jesus said. And then Jesus in chapter 24 of Matthew talks about the general signs of the time. And brothers and sisters, ever since Jesus and before Jesus, the general signs of the time that he talked about have been going on. But brothers and sisters, we know that they have never been going on the way they are now. So we are approaching the very end of days because we can see all around us the things that Jesus said have just risen to such a degree that we don't, we can't even begin to understand how much longer God's patience is going to endure. And then brothers and sisters, just as was prophesied, that a nation will be born in a day is what it says in the word of God in the Old Testament. How is it such that a nation can be born in a day? And that, that is exactly what happened in May of 1948 when Israel declared itself a nation after having been gone from the scene for 2,000 years. Never in the history of mankind has a nation come back after being gone for 200 years, much less 2,000 years. And brothers and sisters, we're in the year 2020. And I believe that very soon, brothers and sisters, we're going to have the rapture of God's people. And then we're going to go into the seven-year tribulation. You saw the video clip earlier. When those things begin to happen, I can assure you the world is going to declare its one-world government and the rise of the Antichrist and the seven-year covenant and the tribulations. Then we're going to have those devastating events, brothers and sisters, that are talked about in Revelation regarding the seals and the trumpets and the bows. During the times of the seal, it seals, it says that a quarter of mankind is going to be destroyed. Brothers and sisters, that's a billion and a half people or more. And then over in the bows, what happens during the bows uh, 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 events, it talks about another third of mankind that is left is going to die. Terrible death, brothers and sisters. And then, brothers and sisters, we're going to have the battle of Gog and Magog that is talked about in Ezekiel chapter 37, 38. This is going to be followed by the uh, Battle of Armageddon. Satan is going to be defeated and bound. We're going to go into the millennial reign of Christ for 1,000 years. But according to the word of God, Satan is going to be released. Spirits are going to go out into the world to deceive mankind. And they're going to come against Jesus who will have been ruling on this planet for a thousand years. But then the word of God says that Jesus will destroy them by the breath of his mouth. And then, brothers and sisters, Satan and the and the... And the beast, the false prophet, and all of those are going to be cast in the lake of fire. And then all of us, brothers and sisters, who are still alive, will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Those, brothers and sisters, who know Jesus Christ will rise to rewards to be with the Lord Jesus forever and ever. And those that do not know the Lord Jesus and have died, they will be turned over to everlasting punishment, cast into hell fire, where they will experience the second death. And that is all those except who have taken the mark of the beast. The Lord Jesus said in Revelation that those who take the mark of the beast, they will be tormented forever and ever. Along with Satan, the fallen angels, and the false prophet. 
And so, brothers and sisters, let's be ready. Okay? I think this is a great explanation. Well, brothers and sisters, I want to say thank you again for taking time to watch this video recording. This is our first of several, probably six sessions where we'll take our time as we walk through Bible prophecy. As I said, 25% of the Bible is about prophecy. So we want to ensure that when we're done with this series, you have a very good understanding, brothers and sisters, about the word of God and what is to come. And in doing so, brothers and sisters, you will be encouraged to share the word of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ with others so that they are not lost, but will have eternal life as the word of God says. As we always say at Go Ye Harvest Outreach Ministry, we love you, but God loves you more. Be blessed, and I look forward to seeing you in our next session.